Uh, my name is Justin Beals. I'm the CEO and co-founder of StrikeGraph. And prior to founding StrikeGraph, um, I've been involved in technology and computing for quite some time. I actually learned to program when I was a little kid in grade school. Uh, at that time, I didn't have any way to any memory for my computers, like a tape drive or uh, anything like that. So I had to reprogram the computer game into the computer every time I wanted to play it. And I fell in love with it. You would have called me a computer hobbyist in grade school and um, college. Actually studied theater in college, uh, which is probably how I became a tech entrepreneur. Um, and which is something I pretty much pursued right after school. Uh, I uh, worked in a couple of places. Uh, British Telecom, for one, was really exciting. I was a network engineer and a security engineer at British Telecom for their global data network rollout. Um, I worked for a number of consultancies uh, doing um, software development, website development, and application development until I founded my own consultancy in 2000. Um, that was a bootstrap business, and I uh, grew it to about 130 consultants in 2009 when we found a buyer for the business um, and shepherded the M&A process. Uh, after that, I tended to spend time as a chief technology officer, a VP of product engineering, or similar types of roles for a number of uh, venture capital-backed technology startups. And uh, along the way, um, as a CTO is where I got the idea for StrikeGraph. And uh, the challenge that we were seeing as, as, a, as a company in delivering a technology product was that our buyers were very sensitive about our security. And they wanted a lot of assurance from us about the security operations that we were um, implemented and, and ensuring worked correctly before they would adopt our software. And this was a big problem. And it led to me wanting to start StrikeGraph to help solve that problem. Okay, great. Uh, it's uh, quite a, a wealth of uh, background experience. And it's always great to see, you know, when you've got kind of a, you identify a gap in the market, just, you know, almost by accident or from hearing client feedback or just, you know, having your ear to the ground uh, with the industry. Um, so kind of moving along from that as well, um, you, you know, where do you see sort of, uh, you know, what are the hot issues in security compliance uh, most yeah. recently? Yeah, I think the first issue is one of culture, and it, it's certainly impacting CISOs and people in the security space. For a long time, you know, when I was at British Telecom and working in security, I learned of the phrase, well, if you didn't get hacked this year, then you spent enough budget on security. And 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 there was a lot of opinions at different companies about what appropriate security was, but it was really impossible to compare the implementation of security across companies because we didn't have a standard. You know, and and that standard is a you can use it in a very broad term. It's it's just a to me, it's a measuring tool. You know, sometimes we use standards to measure um, children's education attainment. Sometimes we use standards to measure our code being in a framework and easy to use or, or matching kind of a an effective practice 
And in security, we're using standards in that more traditional assessment and rubric methodology. And it's a measurement tool. And when we can measure, it means we can compare. And this is what buyers in the market were really worried about is how do I compare and or measure the security practice of a company with which I'm getting ready to share a lot of precious data? Yeah, yeah. yeah that makes sense. It, it kind of, you know, what what you said there reminded me of a, a book called Black Box Thinking, mm. um, where you know, you're setting that those standards and that framework, um, you know, it applies to different industries, to aviation, to medicine. Um, it stops the the professionals themselves making mistakes because a lot of it is just box ticking, isn't it? It is um, in a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but then it also kind of homogenizes the whole industry. So you know that uh, whoever you're uh, choosing as, as your vendor um, has been vetted in, in the appropriate way, I guess. That's right. And in in a marketplace, uh, I think like security or or as the, the just the vast vibrant set of practices that people could call security, everything from all the intricacies of cybersecurity and digital security and server hardening on through to HR practices. Uh, it, it's so convoluted that the variability was so high that teams on the buy side were just really having a hard time assessing the maturity level of who they wanted to do business with. And I get that CISOs, you know, if I were a CISO, I would be like, man, I, I was making good decisions. I, I don't know why I have to deal with this box checking ex exercise. And if you attack the process as a box checking exercise, that's what it'll feel like. Um, one of the things that we've really tried to do is kind of um, – imbue a practice we call trust operations, which is more about engaging, you know, your organization in the types of security practices broadly, not just cybersecurity that you want to see implemented. And that allows the CISO to pull back more to that strategic approach around security, as opposed to feeling like, oh, I've got to go write this policy to check this box, you know, to make someone happy. And instead, uh, the way we like to think about it is who's the owner of a particular security practice inside your organization? And how do you validate that that person was contributing broadly to the security that needed to happen? And so we want to give CISOs, especially in utilizing our platform or methodology, uh, more of a leadership role in what's happening, as well as working with the rubric or standard that they're trying to achieve. Right, so more kind of inputs both on the security and the compliance side. Yeah. And the standards themselves are are not too prescriptive. Some are more prescriptive than others. You know, um, mm -hmm. like if, if we're talking with someone, we might say that ISO 27001, for example, is more prescriptive. It'll dictate a little more what it expects you to do. Whereas something like SOC 2, which is very common in North America, is really mm -hmm. more of a recommendation almost. But it doesn't tell you you know, it says you should keep data private, but it's not going to tell you what encryption level you have to keep the data at. And so all those decisions come back to you as a CISO on what's appropriate for your organization. Um, and, and I think that's a fear that a lot of people have of these standards is that mm -hmm. they're going to get forced to do something. Uh, but right. we find that with, especially with some of the technologies that we provide, you can manage the vibrancy of the differences that you want to make in your own security practices. I see. Yeah, that's a, 
hadn't, hadn't thought of it that way either. But um, yeah, I have quite a lot of conversations. Um, obviously, being an account manager here at Lapide, um, I, I speak to the, a lot of end-user companies, and you know the compliance um, aspect comes up very often, whether it be uh, meeting cyber essentials or um, working towards uh, lowering insurance premiums. Um, and right. again, that that's kind of, you know, just hitting the marks um, in those various different areas. But, uh, you know, that, to, to my understanding, that is kind of you're being forced to do that, or at least you're being forced economically to do that because <laughs> yes. if you can have those things in place, then your insurance premium goes down a hell, hell of a lot, probably more than it costs you to put in that tool that will help you achieve that compliance, right? That's right. We're also seeing that procurement teams on the buy side, especially at the enterprise level, but now definitely at the mid-market and and even the SMB space, they are realizing that they don't have the resources to really go and test and review every vendor that they want to look at. And mm-hmm. so they're, they're starting to say, hey, without something like a SOC 2 or ISO 27001 or you know, if you're in health tech, then of course there's some other standards like HIPAA in the United States mm-hmm. uh, that they're just going to require you to accomplish an independent audit or certification before they're going to do business with you because they want that independent assessment of security practices. I think we saw the first flavor of this in um, penetration tests, right? Like we started seeing buyers say, I'm not going to do business unless you have a valid penetration test within the last 12 months. And that's because they want that independent assessment. 